Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hey, this is Lisa, and you're listening to I Love That Movie. And if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me under AYA Lisa Cosplay. I'm also on Instagram under AYA, N as a Nancy, A M I, Lisa. And I've got a closed Facebook group called I Love That Movie. It's just a safe space for people to talk about movies that they love. My only rule is keep it positive. And um, if you want to be invited to the group, just send me a quick invite and I'll add you. And that's it. It's that easy. Uh, and if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It helps people find this podcast. And if you feel like uh, you really enjoyed it, leave me a positive review on iTunes and you're automatically entered to win a $20 gift card to a movie theater chain of your choice. I think right now we're at 23 reviews. So once we get to 30, I'm going to draw a name. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's free money, but, um, so I have a new guest today and her name is Chelsea. Say hi, Chelsea. Hey. Hey. Um, Chelsea, uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? Sure. Um, again, I'm Chelsea. I actually have my own podcast that I host with my friend Carly Matson called Golden Girls. Um, and I think it just me, <laughs> me and Lisa were like, we should on each other's podcast one day yes, or something because so <laughs> we like to talk about movies and we both do that on our podcast although mine's specifically horror uh i'm kind of excited not to talk about horror today <laughs> yes i love your podcast i was just listening to it i want to tell listeners i listened to one on the witch i think it's your newest mm -hmm. episode yes um you, you reviewed a couple uh movies on there uh, the Apostle also really intrigued me after yes. hearing you guys talk about that. But um, but yeah, you talk about, uh, I guess, horror movies and sometimes games too, right? Correct. Carly's yes. got her background in like film and editing. So she kind of provides a better, uh, I guess, viewing on that side. Whereas I grew up playing horror video games. So we kind of meshed them together uh, so we can each talk about things that we love. Yes, I love that. And because I love The Witch so much, you guys really broke down, did a lot of research, and I really enjoyed that. So yeah, go check that out. But that's not the movie we're talking about today. Nope. Uh, what movie are we talking about today? The Greatest Showman. Oh my God. <laughs> the most unscary thing that I could pick. <laughs> I'm going to try to get through this podcast without crying. <laughs> Just let it out. Just let it go let it out it's totally fine <laughs> well so i have a feeling you saw this in the theater can you tell me a little bit about that experience yeah so um i remember seeing trailers for it around christmas time uh with me and my mom um and honestly i thought it was just going to be kind of a mediocre movie um i personally 
don't care for P.T. Barnum and the circus and a lot of what that kind of entertainment stands for. Um, But after seeing this movie with my mom, like as soon as it came out, we loved it, like absolutely loved it and had to go see it again. Oh, so you saw it more than once in the theater? Yeah, I saw it three times. Um, I don't know how many times my mom saw it, but I did have to buy her the (laughs) CD as soon as it came out. And then I had to pre-order the (laughs) (laughs) Blu-ray. I had kind of a similar experience. I think we probably share the same view on P.T. Barnum. I know Mm -hmm. he's a controversial figure and people have different opinions on that. But uh, I have a close friend that uh, she's actually been on the podcast. Kara, she's a she's studying uh, social anthropology and they they he comes up. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And uh, she originally didn't want to see this because of that. And then later kind of had the same experience you did where she changed her mind just on the movie as like a fantasy, you know. <laughs> honestly, I, sorry. I, no, you're honestly, fine. they could have just called this like the greatest showman and just made it about a fantasy guy and I agree. loosely <laughs> followed. I mean, they already loosely followed his story anyways. They really didn't need to attach his name to it. Um, but I, I if you go in picturing this as just a, a feel-good fantasy Hugh Jackman movie, then I think you'll enjoy it if you just shove all of the nasty Barnum stuff behind you. (laughs) Agreed, agreed. But um, my experience with the movie was, you know, I I never expected it to be historically accurate from Mm -hmm. the second I saw the trailer. So I wasn't too worried about (laughs) that. Mm -hmm. But um, I when I saw it, I thought, well, that that doesn't look very good. I'm definitely going to see it was my... (laughs) I I was like... I was like a good bad movie. Yeah. And I was kind of like, you know, I thought, well, it's Hugh Jackman. He's awesome at singing and dancing. That alone kind of sold me. And then it just looked so colorful and so fun. And it looked Christmassy. I mean, it just kind of had all the ingredients of like, I want to go see that. And then when I saw it in the theater, it was because uh, I think me and my husband and my dad were trying to find a movie that we could all agree on. And a lot of the movies that I typically want to see, my father finds too scary or negative. He <laughs> likes to feel good at the theater. So he picked The Greatest Showman. And I thought, you know, I told my husband, like, hey, is that okay if we go to this? And he's like, it's fine. I get it. It's a family thing. So we go in there and we walk out. And much to my shock, both my husband and my dad were like, oh my God, I loved it. <laughs> we just all loved it. Like, it was so much more entertaining. And just so much better than I than we walked in there expecting it to be. And I mean, I had heard buzz by the time I had seen it because I think like it was in theaters forever, mm-hmm. you know. So it was kind of like and there were some uh, mixed just, reviews on it that were coming oh, in. So yeah. you kind of go in going, all right, it's it is what it is. I saw the trailer. That's probably their only good song. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and and yeah the critics were pretty harsh this is definitely a movie where there's a disconnect between how the critics viewed it and how general audiences viewed it but when i kept seeing people that i knew pretty well saying i loved it i thought well you know maybe this isn't gonna be completely ridiculous but then when i saw it i just walked out being even more impressed than i expected it to be and i think all three of us had that reaction to it yeah. um i didn't see it multiple times in theaters but i did buy it as soon as it was as yes. soon as it was available digitally, <laughs> I do use the um, the feature on on the uh, digital copy where you can like just watch just the songs. I've been known to do that. 
<laughs> there's a sing-along option. I haven't used that yet. <laughs> yeah, I haven't but, done that because normally I just put on the soundtrack at that point. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you can buy it online. I've got a physical copy, but I listen to it on Spotify more often than not because it's just easier. Um, I've thought about getting it on vinyl because that's just extra, but <laughs> I, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and kind of like, yeah, I've thought about buying it for my dad because he really loved it. And I even thought about getting him the uh, the reimagined album, oh, which is also, yes. I mean, I bet like when this first came out and they, you know, the, the creators of this movie saw those bad reviews, I bet they never imagined that there was going to be like a remix album mm-hmm. of like all these top artists and... I'm just so happy. <laughs> I feel like this movie is kind of going to be one of those, like, maybe I'm preaching or wishful thinking, but it, it's going to have like one of those cult followings that in like a few years, everyone's going to be like, yeah, that was, that was really good. And there's like just a small group of people that start listening to it a lot or, or watching oh, it. I don't sure. know. Maybe that's, that's me wanting it to be like that. No, um, I mean, I think that second album is basically a testament to how much this resonated with people. I think it really, it really took off. I mean, I, I heard, isn't Hugh Jackman like traveling around now? Like, yes. And yeah. I mean, that's tickets crazy. go on sale like this week. Ooh. <laughs> um, I'm <laughs> trying to get some with my mom. Cause she really liked that movie and likes him and his music. Um, and I'm just, uh, I've never been so excited about a movie that I thought would be completely just okay. No, completely right there with you. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and give this synopsis really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we mentioned, it's not like a super complex plot or anything, but here but here it is. Uh, inspired by the imagination of P.T. Barnum, The Greatest Showman is an original musical that celebrates the birth of show business and tells a visionary who rose from nothing to create a spectacle that became a worldwide sensation. It's kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, good, I mean, a little, little chunk. Yeah. 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 At the, at the heart of it, it's, it's a success story. Somebody mm-hmm. going from... somebody turning something small into something big and and i i appreciate it for that so i'm going to give a couple quick facts um and then we'll just run through from there um feel free to jump in if you want or if you have a fact you want to give that's cool too um so according to jackman the the uh, seven-year development process was in part due to the uh, studio's unwillingness to take a risk on an original musical I, i believe that I'd like, yeah. I don't, people really don't do musical movies anymore. That's like a really old kind of, um, oh, there was a word for it, like that style of movie, like that chunk of time when everything that came out that was huge was like a big original musical. That was yeah, like the like big thing. Yeah, like kind of World War II era, like, yeah, like 40s, 50s, 30s, maybe even too. Um yeah, I, I do. I agree. It's sort of we've kind of moved away from that. I think there's even an attitude that that musicals are silly, mm-hmm. and it, you know it's harder for modi- modern audiences to understand why people like them so much sometimes. Um, but yeah, and the fact that this is original, you know, it's not a remake of Sound of Music or something that is or a an adaptation or right. like a, a stage play into a movie, for example. Since yeah. he was also in Les Mis. That's true. Yeah. And that one had sort of mixed reactions, Mm -hmm. too. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the strengths of this movie, I've heard a couple people that are sort of like diehard 
uh, musical fans, which I'll admit I am not. I mean, I do like a lot of musicals, <laughs> but I'm not like a, a musical expert, okay? Yeah. But I, I've heard some people criticize films like this where it's like, uh, you know, they don't – they didn't necessarily – pick only the strongest singers and dancers um it's more poppy it's not like you know all all the music in this is extremely contemporary and i think that that can be a turnoff for some people yeah especially when they're like diehard fans but to that i would say you know they're bringing in sort of a newer audience uh people that might not give those older musicals a chance and this actually will introduce them to the genre and it will probably you know, open their world and have them go back and look at older musicals. So I actually really like that about the movie. That's how I generally feel about it. Like I, I, I mean, I'm a theater kid. I grew up taking theater. I went to college for theater, um, but I still wouldn't consider myself like specifically like a musical theater buff. Um, I spent most of my time as a tech and only a little bit uh, on the acting side, but I, yeah, it, there is a difference between the kind of talent you see for a stage performance and on screen. Um, and like something like this, especially if it had trouble taking, uh, getting off the ground, having AAA names or, you know, big names like Hugh Jackman. Um, I don't know how big Zac Efron is now. He seems really big, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and Zendaya. I mean, like Zendaya having them. Huge, yeah in there uh, help sell the movie. Cause some people really all they care about is the names. Um, and right. yeah, they could have gotten bigger and better singers, I suppose, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I give a little bit of slack to movies. I do wish um, f for some roles that we could get some better talent out there. That's not just driven by their name alone, but at the same time, um, it's cool to see these actors branch out and do something that's not their usual shtick. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, even the style of music, um, I, I, when I was in the theater, I was kind of nervous because um, I really like pop music. I'm just mm -hmm. going to admit that to everyone that's yeah. listening. <laughs> I listen to like, <laughs> you know, Ariana Grande, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Demi Lovato, like just, I love Dua Lipa. Like I love pop. Okay. And that's not usually given the same, I guess, like respect in uh, musical genres. Oh, it's no. generally thought of as like shallow and like you don't really understand what good music is kind of attitude. So I think like this movie having almost nothing but pop music in it, like that was kind of a risk because people have a perception of it. But again, I think it pulls in younger people to come see this movie that might not have otherwise. And then for people like me, I'm like, well, I love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely has, at least for the first song, some very fallout boy kind of vibe to it. Oh, for sure. Um, and you know, they're still very big right now. So obviously that's going to draw in. I mean, that's how it kind of got me. I was like, this sounds like, like kind of a fallout boy panic vibe to it, which, you know, hardcore fans of those are going to be like, Oh, it doesn't sound anything like that. And that's fine. I get it. <laughs> Well, they covered it, so. <laughs> yeah, so now it is <laughs> exactly a Panic at the Disco vibe, so. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I really like that about it. I'm glad they're doing an original musical. You know, we're always, you always hear people say like, oh, why don't they do something original? And they did, so. Yeah, they did. Cheers so to them. Now everyone can hush. I will say, I like part of me in my heart of hearts wishes this would get big enough so it could have a stage adaptation. Um, 
because with how great uh, Kiala's performance was for This Is Me, and I'm like, please, please put this on a stage. Please. Oh, yeah. It's a natural fit, a natural transition. I, I really think it will. I mean, just because he's like touring now, you know, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman's touring and with the, uh, you know, two album releases, I feel like they have to. <laughs> and some of the backgrounds in a lot of the scenes look like it just stage backgrounds, specifically the one on the rooftop. It just looks like oh, a straight yeah. up like stage background to me. Like oh, the cityscape, and it's very pretty. And I don't know if that was what they were going for, or you know, I'm just blind. Uh, no, not at all. I think I think it was pretty <laughs> intentional. Like it, it was calling back to that, and I think the aesthetic of the movie is to remind you that I kind of viewed the whole movie as almost like a, not a dream, but like maybe a memory that sort mm-hmm. of colored positively you know we look back through rose colored lenses i I think the whole thing is kind of like that so it's it's not realistic like none of the movie is realistic in terms of the background or the costumes or the colors um none of it it's just very vibrant and bright and i think that's because it's not meant to be right photorealistic so yeah i think it really lends itself to a stage for sure i would love to see that Mm -hmm. i also wanted to mention that um I noticed in 2017, like in January, that's when the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus announced they were closing. <laughs> was like, it? Did you notice that at the that? same time? Yeah, I remember because, this happening, but I didn't remember the time. Yeah, I remember that year. I was like, "Oh wow, it's closing forever!" And you know, uh, be- because of protests and, and, and animal rights activists, and honestly, rightfully so. Yeah, um, I'll just say that I don't normally always say my opinion on that, but with this, I mean, it, it's kind of obvious it needed to end. Um, and I, and then, and then all of a sudden, we start seeing ads for this movie, and I thought well, that's really weird timing. It was later in the year, but I was like, "Man, that kind of just happened." Like. Hmm. That's strange. I can't remember if I like I read this correctly, but I thought they hired some people from some of the the Barnum and Bailey performances Ooh. to be like extras. I don't know if that I didn't really look into that too much, so I don't know I if mean, that part is possible. true. But um, I, like the the ensemble cast and the people you see in the background are mm-hmm. really talented, and you kind of like want to watch them in a lot of the scenes they do. Yeah, I kind of almost, you know, there was a part of me that when that announcement happened, like I said, I completely agree with uh, fair animal treatment. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's a huge part of why that happened. Mm -hmm. But I also kind of, you know, it is possible to have a circus without cruelty to animals. So there's a part of me that's like, I wish that they could sort of reinvent that idea and just not have that like in the way that Cirque du Soleil does yeah, you know I was about to say I was like Cirque du Soleil just uses people right I don't yeah. know if I've actually seen one. Oh, they're awesome you should totally check one hmm. out but yeah that's all people all you know a lot of them are like former Olympians and you know so it, it's very cool but um and I think that's probably why those are so popular and and that also helped kill uh barnum and bailey circus because people mm-hmm. were like hey this doesn't have any animals in it so we're gonna go with this you know but i i think that there's a way to to, to still have that old school flair and just move past and evolve beyond that but I, I was surprised that when this movie came out because i thought gosh that's a really controversial thing that's literally happening like this year hmm. so i thought that was interesting um but that's because this movie was as i mentioned earlier in seven year development so it's like this was an idea for a long time 
not necessarily foreseeing that that was going to happen, you know? Right. <laughs> this kind of it could have just been a coincidence. It could have been done. And then they heard about that and they're like, now's the time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I do know. Uh, I wanted to transition a little bit into talking about the director, uh, Michael Gracie. This is really his first movie. Uh, he directed a lot of like commercial stuff. And I think he, he worked on a couple projects with Hugh Jackman and then at the wrap, um, you know, Hugh Jackman was like, I want to work with you. We should do a movie together. And the director mentions in like the behind the scenes features that, uh, he thought he was just saying that because a lot of actors do that at the end. They're like, Oh, we should work together. I'll call mm-hmm. you. And then they don't, but he was serious. And I think part of that was because he was having such a hard time getting the project off the ground. So then he kind of had to take, you know, a chance with a newer director, somebody that he really gelled with and liked working with. And it, I think it really paid off. I, it, it's, that was surprising to me when I found out that this was his first project. I mean, yeah. I, like, I, I didn't know it was his first project, but I've seen time and time again where directors um, are given something different or even like a budget to to really put forth a cool movie there's like a huge difference between either having not done anything or um, their their last creation being, I don't know, for example, uh, the director that did Mad Max, what was that? What else did he do? Uh, Happy Feet and Babe 2? Yeah, he did the original <laughs> Mad Max uh, trilogy and he did, but he, yeah, he also did Happy Feet. He's very versatile. <laughs> But yeah, and I think, and I, I, I'm terrible. Carly's going to hit me. Uh, oh, the director who did Witch, that was their first project. Oh, yeah. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but yeah, that's that, that was an amazing movie. Yeah, so, you know. No, I completely agree. Sometimes, I mean, it's cool when something like this happens sometimes because someone's given a project that they might not have gotten otherwise, but they are absolutely qualified and talented. Uh, I know Michael Gracie has a background in visual effects, and I think that's pretty obvious in this film. We talked a little bit earlier about like the color palette and just visually this movie is so striking. I think the music and the visuals are two of the strongest parts of the movie. Yes, it's so beautiful. Um, it, it is one of those where I usually suggest to watch more than once. Um, not so much. I mean, the plot isn't anything to really write home about, but the visuals and the music alone are just, uh, uh, so good. Yes, completely. I, uh, man, it's so good. And I, I think I'm kind of a sucker for that. I mean, a lot of the movies I like are visually very interesting and exciting. So it definitely grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Why don't we get into the uh the I guess the plot of the film? Either sure. we can go chronologically or pick some of your favorite scenes, and then we'll kind of weave talking about some of the actors in this movie in with that. Sure, we can give our our shot at chronological and kind of uh, go from there. And then if we deviate, eh. totally agree. Well, let's start with the opening then, because the opening is like the second it started, I got very excited. <laughs> I, I just got chills thinking about it because it's so, <laughs> first of all, they use like old, ye old title cards um, and time it to the beat of the music uh, to where they're stomping in time, which is different from the actual recorded version that you get on the soundtrack. Like a, oh. a lot of the versions you hear on the CD are slightly different um, from the movie, either due to talking in between the way that it's sung. 
Um, like the very first song is in the beginning and the end and they cut that together. Um, there's certain parts that are sung in the movie that are resung for the album only. Um, I mean, I think that's an, an interesting take on it, I guess. Uh, but you, you kind of get two versions of the soundtrack when you're watching and when you're just listening. And especially mm. for the opening, there's way more pauses um, to get the the effect of the title card, the shots that you see from behind the uh, what I, the bleachers are the only term that I I can think of. But I can't really what is it stands, stands I guess I guess yeah. yeah I think bleachers or stands works yeah um oh, and it's so just the lighting that they have of Hugh Jackman right in the beginning mm, mm, it's good. It is. I mean, I, I I don't know if you had this reaction too, but like when I sat down and this started and then the music started playing, I was like, wow, the music is different than I was expecting it to be like yes. right away. Yes. Um, because this movie did take a little bit of, you know, time to like pick up steam, even though there was positive buzz from like audience members before I walked in I I just I, I guess I, I it occurred to me I had no idea what any of the songs were going to be I hadn't heard them on the radio or anything so I was like just like wow so this is going to be this is going to be different it's not going to be a straightforward uh, time period movie um, so I found that really exciting and, and and fresh and you know obviously Hugh Jackman does an awesome job in you know singing and dancing period but as someone that's never gotten to see him, you know, on stage, I've only, I guess when I've seen him perform, it's in Les Mis or mm-hmm. when he was like on an award show or something. It's just cool to see him in an entire film like this. And, and yeah, I, I love the opening song. And it's, it's one of those, they start so hard with that opening song. Cause generally I, I don't know a lot of musicals. That's not true. I guess they open with like kind of a, um, a combination of of melodies that you hear throughout the thing. Um, but I don't know any that start that hard and then continue to be good because with the trailer, I think they use the greatest showman or, or the greatest show uh, throughout it. And I thought, oh, well, this is going to be their only good song. And if they're using it right now, what's the rest of the movie going to be like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the hit song of the mm-hmm. movie. But you're right. You kind of uh, even when it when the movie opens, it opens differently than like how you hear it in the trailer. Number one, mm-hmm. as you said, it's different on the soundtrack than in the movie. I even noticed because I, I rewatched it the other day, and I even as it opened was like, "Wait a minute, this the song's different." Like I was like, "Is the sound on?" Like the pauses really threw me off, and I, I realized that I had mostly been just listening to the soundtrack. So I really love that you mentioned that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it opens really strong. And on a note that you expect that to be like the climax of the movie. And it kind of is because the mo- the song comes back. But yeah, it, it is a surprising song choice to be that energized, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do really well of like fading out uh, from the visual of, I guess, older Hugh Jackman uh, or P.T. Barnum into the actor that plays like the younger kid version of him, especially with the silhouette because he's wearing his full suit and the top hat. uh, And then it fades into uh, a suit and top hat that's in a shop window and the little boy's looking at it. And I really liked that kind of transition. Yeah. And it was another part, I think you mentioned earlier, it feeling like 
a stage play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, that's what would happen if it was on stage too, right? Like he would look off and then suddenly be looking at himself as a younger child. I can um, see how you can do it on a stage with like dimming uh, and then raising the lights on a different actor. So yeah, looking to a new area of the stage. It it can be done. Someone, someone <laughs> in theater, please. This is a this is a, a plea from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I and and um, yeah, and so you're kind of like thrown back into his childhood, and how he gets from A to B, I guess. And you you meet his father, and you see where where he comes from, and how his dad was like a tailor uh, for a rich family. Uh, his future wife, um, Charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's chastised because he makes her laugh, and her dad hates humor. I guess <laughs> he doesn't want you know riffraff hanging out with his pure innocent daughter, right? Because right, right. you know rich versus poor that sort of thing. I do have to say it's pretty funny. Um, at least not for the scene when he's younger, but when Hugh Jackman comes on and they have the dad, uh, Charity's dad, on stage, I'm like. Those actors in real life aren't far off in age, so it's re- <laughs> it's really hard for me to disconnect. Hugh Jackman is supposed to be like probably in his twenties for this. Oh yeah, like era <laughs> and mm. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of try to make him look younger, but a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but but this I think guys like son like looking down on Hugh Jackman, I'm like isn't he like eight years older than you? I don't know. <laughs> Hollywood magic, you know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, they have that second song um with the little kids, you know, talking about their dreams and again, using some really good lighting effects uh to where they're browsing this abandoned mansion. Um and you can see kind of bits of a circus theme going throughout and it's really cool. Um I think the kids did a pretty good job cuz generally when you have kids and singing, you're like ah, ah. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> um, but I, I don't get that kind of cringe from this, or at least oh, from no. them. I thought they were all right. No, completely agree. Uh, I haven't mentioned them yet, but the composers of this film, too, John Debney and Joseph Trapanese. I, I, I'm just surprised by how much I like each song. Like, I think this song typically in a musical would probably be one of the lesser songs that I kind of tune out you know because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just trying to get you to i don't know to see like someday things will be better but it's such a pretty song and i, I like this one a lot because they use um bits of uh that song the melody in the background of later scenes oh yeah uh, and then you know when it fast forwards to him and charity have moved in together they have daughters they have a reprisal where they're singing essentially the beginning of the song he sang and uh, I just I love reprise reprises of songs being used again totally in in different scenarios um yeah it takes on a new meeting you mm -hmm. know at this point uh these children are at the beginning of their life and and they're seeing how how everything could be different how the possibilities are endless they're not like jaded (laughs) yet and And so oh go ahead I was just going to say, they're like, they're not, they don't have a bad life. I mean, they live in like a little apartment building. The house roof is leaking a little bit. Um, And I guess we're to assume they're doing bad because, you know, he gets his uh, job uh, 
is goes bankrupt essentially. Mm-hmm. But that I mean, they all seem happy except for uh, P.T. Barnum, who, you know, as these songs are going through, is noticing this wasn't his dream. This wasn't the life that he promised his wife. He promised his kids. He thinks he can do better for them. And it's kind of like the stepping stone to get into the meat of the plot of the movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. And yeah, and I, I think uh, very much so, you know, he, the job that he has is pretty mundane, mm-hmm. probably reflects, you know, I guess we all probably feel a little bit today watching it. We're like, oh, my job's kind of like that. <laughs> the mundane um, office job, all the workers <laughs> doing the same thing. Everything's very, especially in his office building, everything's very monotone, grayscale. Even outside the window, it's just kind of gloomy. Oh, and then I I like the visual of him looking at everybody working, and then he leans out the window and sees all the the, the graveyard, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like, you know, visually communicates to you like, hey, like if I keep doing this, it's straight from this to the grave. I mean, it's kind of dark, but yeah, I, I like that visual because it, it is part of what's building up to to be the catalyst for him to want to move forward. And to me, it really seems like you you talked about that scene on the roof. Um, later with his daughters, uh, when he gets his his uh, I can't remember the name of that daughter. Let me look. Uh, Caroline <laughs> or Caroline. Helen? Yeah, I think it was Caroline's birthday, right? I think so. I yes, think so. the oldest so. one. Yeah, when it's her birthday, and he's he's just lost his job. Um, yeah, and his wife has a great reaction to it. Michelle Williams, who plays Charity, mm-hmm. she says, uh, "You know, you weren't long for that job anyway." Like she, the whole movie, she's sort of his anchor. She has this ability to look at everything a little more positively. That's probably because she is coming from this really wealthy family to living with him and being on, an, in her mind, you know, an, an adventure. She she signed up for this. She's okay with bumps in the road. I, I think he was maybe a little bit more idealistic and thought that. It wasn't really anticipating this. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, she turns it around on him. She's like, oh, you know, you you didn't even like that job. It's okay. We can move on. Yeah, they, uh, and then, they take it in stride. Right. And then, like, he uh, he obviously, now that he doesn't have a job, he, he didn't have the money to buy his daughter a birthday gift. But he uses his creative abilities to make her um, a little, like, uh, I guess, man, I don't know what you call like a, it. This it's a wishing um, what do you call it? A wishing box? Oh, okay. okay. It's just like a, a cup holder or something uh, on top of a candle that spins. So the light goes through the metal um, uh, cutouts, I guess. Yeah. So it, it looks just like a pretty – it makes pretty lights. It was beautiful. And like, you know, for to, to an adult, when you see how that's constructed, it's pretty simple. But for those little children to view it, you're, and you're seeing it kind of through their eyes, it, it's pretty. And you kind of realize in that moment, like, it is really pretty, you know, and um, their perspective, uh, they, they re-sing the song, right, that mm-hmm. he sang as a child, um, A Million Dreams. Um, and And that's kind of when he starts to have that or I guess maybe the second time he gets inspiration again. He got mm-hmm. it as a child and he gets it again through his children. Uh, from there, he uh, he essentially takes um, some paperwork that he took from work, which had uh, deeds to a bunch of ships that had oh, sunk right. in the South China Seas. Uh, and kind of, 
illegally offers them up as collateral to take out <laughs> a, a large loan from the bank. Because, um, you know, it's it's back in the day. Who's going to check to make sure those ships are still there? Yeah, his <laughs> wife is surprisingly cool about that. <laughs> when she, She's not like, um, this is illegal. She's just like, yeah, okay. Just whatever. Um, and it's <laughs> kind of the beginning of showing how charismatic and kind of shady but not not necessarily you you know lying sort of <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like i yeah but the word i keep wanting to use is con man but that's not what they're <laughs> that's not what they're portraying here i guess you could mm-hmm. say he's a great salesman um but he buys out uh essentially a wax museum f- to to sell tickets to so people can see things around the world um but everything looks very dead uh, and doesn't do well at all because um, really no one wants to see a bunch of wax figures, even though, you know, today it's kind of neat to go into a wax figure museum. Um, that's usually not something that you go to see more than once. Yeah. And he mentions in the movie that they're really popular right now mm-hmm. and maybe they are, but I feel like where he lives, I mean, when we saw what he, the job he just left, it, it seems almost the way I interpreted it in the movie was it seems like everybody's so busy and so like downtrodden basically that they don't really have time to stop and go in this wax museum and just look at stuff. Like they really need yeah. something to shake them out of their world and give them like a fantasy that they can enjoy and get into. And he's got to figure out what that is before Mm -hmm. he can like pull in an audience. Right. And, you know, his daughters even make the comment that um, he needs something alive. Everything's (laughs) too dead in his museum. No one wants to see dead things. Need to find something alive. And, you know, that's when he goes on essentially this like hunt for, uh, oddities and people with interesting looks and talents uh, to try to bring life to his strange museum. Um, it, it is a callback to earlier in the movie, a, uh, a woman helps him, gives him an apple and her face is a little disfigured uh, and no one else will, everyone kind of backs away from her, but she, she showed him kindness. So that's probably where the movie's getting its connection um mm. assuming that or he's assuming that. that those people will show him the same kindness and he can rely on them to you know pull himself back up again well, at least that's I how i see it movie a ton of times and i miss that i yeah, when you said you were going to call back i thought you were going to talk about when he meets tom thumb i mean yes that's also part of it but he but he, no yeah you're right there's a before scene mm-hmm. oh man i gotta check that out next time i watch it Love like that. I, I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's how I see it, and that's how I feel like uh, P.T. Barnum wants to go find Tom Thumb because mm-hmm. that's one of the first people that he knows of, um, because he's just a very short man. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I think that yeah, he sees like a kindness and an openness and a need there, um, uh, even with the woman offering him the apple. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That I I really like that. And um, even though like his intentions aren't entirely like positive and wholesome, um, he, he I mean he even makes a joke. People are already laughing at you, so you might as well get paid for it. Which uh, that's not <laughs> great. Um, 
But, you know, he's very charismatic. He is a con man, essentially, kind of wins him over by saying, you know, you could be a general and uh, command a mighty steed and they won't be laughing when they see essentially how cool you look. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, growing up when I I heard about these, you know, in real life, like the museums of oddities Mm -hmm. that that, um, existed a long time ago, it feels like lately we've sort of been looking back at that through a gentler lens because in the past I always thought you know it's a uh, quote-unquote freak show where people are paying to just gawk at people and I always viewed that very negatively and then um, it seems like recently there's been some uh, you know, there was like that AHS uh, season freak show and mm-hmm. there's I couldn't get been, through that. I couldn't get through that one. I, I jumped off ship about five eps in, but um, I tried, but I couldn't do it. Uh, but uh, yeah. And then like, you know, seeing some documentaries where they portray that, you know, actually these people, they they were a family and yeah, they weren't accepted by society, but at least that they they were able to find work and they were able to sort of like band together. And I think that's you know, maybe it's not showing every aspect of their life, which I'm sure was extremely difficult, but it is a more positive part of it. Um, so, I mean, on some level, I can I can definitely appreciate that in this film. Somebody wanting to bring them all together and sort of, like, look at it in a different way. Right. Not that they are strange, but that they are, I guess, like, wondrous, you could say, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, like, I still kind of, when I watch it and like the a lot of the um the people the people in the show that end up being in his uh what's eventually going to be the circus like i i definitely have like misty eyes when they go out on the stage for the first yeah. time so because you know you feel for them and uh, you understand it. they even make a whole song about it and i'm gonna get teary out of talking oh about it God. but that's later <laughs> um like w- one of the main I guess, ensemble crew that you end up seeing a huge part of is Letty, who is supposed to portray the bearded bearded lady, um, which is mm-hmm. a pretty common, I guess, oddity. Right. <laughs> I, because really, nowadays, we understand that that's just, that it's is just, common. you know, that's just a thing that happens, <laughs> you know, people have body hair, which yeah. is, it's strange and kind of like bizarre why they chose um, they chose to portray her, but also they have Dog Boy, who is just covered in hair. Yeah, like that's how is, true. You know, how is she so much stand out as much as this this kid? Yeah, is it, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's she's sexist. a larger woman. That that's yeah. weird. Um, or that she's female, and yeah. you know, just ideas about gender. I guess, especially back then. Mm-hmm. Again, it, like p- acting like certain things are so bizarre when they're really not, not yeah. just not socially acceptable doesn't necessarily mean unnatural. Right. And yeah. I mean, one of one of the people there is um, he's just a large man. And, he, you know, Hugh Jackman is like, well, we can sell you as someone larger than that. I think he pay he weighs like. 500 pounds is what he says um yeah and then like he 750 pounds and they like stuff him with pillows yeah <laughs> yeah and that's is, is that during this part that's when uh come alive is on right yes so he's yeah. gathering everyone signing people up learning about them um you know giving them acts essentially uh and you know people are starting to gather because you know they want to gawk at 
this strange people in this museum. Uh, and eventually when they do get shown, you know, there's this moment of just clarity, I guess. Uh, cause he, <laughs> PT Barnum slaps the horse that, uh, Tom Thumb is riding and, you know, he rides around, he's dressed up like Napoleon shooting guns in the air and everyone's like, Ooh, ah, that's neat. And yeah, it, it's it just kind of like, goes into the, the the main act, which is cool. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, they are oddities, but they're also performers and they're center stage right now. You know, people aren't looking away from them. They're not ostracizing them. They're literally the star of the show, right. I think, is kind of the ideal he's selling. And, and it is like, I think, a really, I really like that song. It's a really happy moment it is one of the parts where i'm like Boo-hoo. yes <laughs> well, and really you can like see it. more of the background cast which is just great there's just so many characters in there that i'm like i want to know more about your story no i agree <laughs> it's like we don't get enough time it could have been like a whole show mm-hmm. but yeah I, I mean that they get the circus quote-unquote put together uh and then there's one guy who i i love the the character who's playing the reviewer yeah, uh, me too. And he just sees it as one big sham. It's a big con. You know, I, <laughs> it's yeah, not I, that cool. It's not fun. Yeah, he's like, it's all fake. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he kind of unintentionally ends up exemplifying the critics of this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's like that that was the criticism that I read a lot was like, well, there's a bunch of songs. That's it. You know, there's yeah. a bunch, of, there's a lot of spectacle and not enough like substance. substance. Yeah, but I, I kind of, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we underestimate the power of music and visuals. You know, like there just is entertainment, just right. flat out entertainment. Sometimes you don't need. It's not that deep. Sometimes you don't need, you know, this deep multi layer plot line. You just want something that's surface level to like make you feel better. Right. I mean, I feel like I'm on an emotional roller coaster on Mm -hmm. this movie because I like cry and then I laugh and then I'm like feeling like pumped. Like I walked out of this movie (laughs) like I can do whatever I want. I can take on the world, you know, and I know that that's not real in the sense of it it isn't like a super deep nuanced movie, but it did make me feel all those emotions. And I think that's valid. And I enjoyed feeling that way. So I I really liked it. But yeah, like the reviewer, uh, he's so harsh, like the whole movie but I, I like even his kind of arc that happens in the film too it's good it's good and uh eventually it gets to hugh jackman reaching out to uh philip carlisle just because he he's trying to branch out and get as many people uh and the carlisles are you know well known he's producing shows for the rich and the wealthy um seems kind of miserable and just is at a bar drinking when, of course, they have one of the coolest scenes to me. I love uh, the bar scene. <laughs> this this part really feels like a callback, right? It's sort of like weirdly singing in the rain ish. Yeah, it's very. Uh, there's a lot of performance to it, and it's like a sing off essentially. Yeah, and I I like this too because okay, I'm going to. Is <laughs> it something here? <laughs> Go for it. Um, I really liked High School Musical. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, even with the first one, and I was uh, I was too old to be watching it. Honestly, no, I on the get Disney it. Channel. I get it. But 
I really appreciated it. I, I remember seeing it on TV and I thought, you know what? This is like super entertaining. I'm having fun watching it. Uh, and at the time, I, I think I was watching a lot of more serious movies and, you know, everything was serious. And then I kind of started opening up my world to, to movies like that that were just like silly fun. And uh, those those films, I think, took off bigger than expected. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to the point where the third one was in theaters and now the the director of those films, Kenny Ortega, went on to do like, you know, bigger projects mm -hmm. as well. But um, one thing that I always thought about Zac Efron, uh, who plays Carlisle, is that I, I felt that after those movies, he really tried to kind of distance himself from this like, you know, I guess you could say like cheesy, kids, cheesy kids movies. Right. And, and he really, you know, he tried and it hasn't really that, that part of his career hasn't really taken off. And this is sort of kind of like a return to what got him to the top. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he's just good at it. I mean, um, I think like the first movie, I don't think he sang all his songs, but I think by the third one, he had, you know, really improved in terms of like singing and dancing. Again, I'm talking to someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, but just from <laughs> what I read <laughs> and um and just from what I see. And it's like, man, just do what you're good at. Like he's he has a stage presence like Hugh Jackman, like seeing them next to each other in this scene and the way they play off each other in the movie, it's really good. It mm -hmm. it, it kind of I thought it was exciting and I thought I actually want to see Zach Efron do more stuff like this because I, I do think this is like when he's at his best same he i mean he's got a lot of talent you can definitely tell he's improved immensely since those days yeah and he and he puts you know a hundred percent in it doesn't feel like you know he was just made to do this and when you see the behind the scenes too like he read the script and was just super excited about it and i mean who wouldn't want to work with hugh jackman come on right <laughs> um it's like you know it's definitely a launching point for him and yeah the song is super catchy the um the dancing is awesome i mean it, i think it's like when i was watching it with my husband he's like that's my favorite part of the movie i love that part i'm like i know it's so good <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, completely agree. And, and I, I, th I agree with what you're saying too, where he, I think he needs to get somebody that's a little bit on the outside. He's so, uh, PT Barnum is so invested he's, in his world. <laughs> and to everyone he's, he, I mean, he's the bottom of the barrel kind of entertainment guy. They even make right. a comment that, you know, uh, he doesn't want to pick peanuts, of peanuts off the floor, uh, Whereas like Carlisle is in like big show performances that are apparently, I, I he makes a comment that uh, if you want a refund, you need to go talk to the front desk. Yeah, so it's I don't know like, if they're good. <laughs> Maybe they they do well critically, but people aren't entertained by them. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> they they to me they seem just kind of sad and dreary, which. You know, if people are going to see operas, those are all pretty like intense and true. You know, you don't go there for a laugh or to cheer or to be loud. You go there to sit quietly and just bask in the story through song. I've never yeah. been to an opera, uh, so I don't know exactly, but um, well, they're long. <laughs> that's what I hear. <laughs> I'll tell you that <laughs> they're long. Mm -hmm. They're good. They're fun. You should go. You could always go like sometimes uh, they do those like 
simulcast ones where you can kind of like see them in a movie theater. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do see a lot of, uh, I guess, ads for that when I go to the the movies. Yeah, I've gone to a couple of those. But but I will admit that uh, I I brought somebody one time and halfway through they were like, how long is this? (laughs) I think for modern sensibilities, it's kind of it's it's a little long. But yeah, no, I think uh, I like this song, too, because it's like it's just so exciting. It's like, hey, why don't you leave your boring life and join the circus? Take a a chance on me. Yes. Which is pretty much PT's big thing. Like, why don't you give it a chance? What have you to lose? And technically, uh, Carlisle has a lot to lose since he's from a well-off family. And, you know, your social standing is the most important thing. Right. Um. But he he does he takes a chance uh, is actually he, he actually does have some really good connections like he gets them overseas to see Queen Victoria which okay sure <laughs> um, yeah 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 but they get everyone dressed up to go over there and it's kind of like this big fanfare um, the biggest thing is they have to introduce Jenny Lind who was like a big opera singer. Um, and this is actually the one, like the biggest downfall I see of this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I knew you were about to say that. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but because they have Jenny Lind, who is told time and time again, she's this amazing opera singer and she's going to do a one night performance for them on behalf of P.T. Barnum. Um, you, you, you settle in for this really slow, somber and you're like, okay, here it is an opera song. And you get, you know, Adele's next number one hit. <laughs> I like the song, though. But It's a great song. But, you know, everyone I talk to is like, I was kind of bummed. <laughs> At the same time, it makes sense because this is supposed to be a very modern musical. So everything's mm-hmm. poppy or like a ballad. There's a lot of choir and um, background chorus singing. So... You know, that kind of fits in with it, but it's sort of, you expect a little more if this is supposed to be like this huge, like she's great. She is a great singer. She does really well for this song and this performance. It still gave me shivers. She's not singing. (laughs) Did you know that? (laughs) Wait, she doesn't actually sing? That's not Rebecca Ferguson's voice. <gasps> I thought that's what you were going to say. Oh, no. She, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know a lot about that actress, though, to be honest. Oh, no. I mean, I didn't either. But when, when I was watching the behind the scenes, um, she, the, the director wanted her, I think, aesthetically, but she isn't like a oh, singer. Wow. Like, she can carry a tune. She just isn't a singer. And oh, so they well. actually use a different voice for her. Well, so in whoever, whoever is singing opera, that is, yeah. is doing great. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's a criticism I could see of like, I think most of the other actors are, it is their voice. Like I was even surprised and we, um, we hadn't mentioned her yet, but I think another thing that sells uh, Zac Efron's characters when he meets Zendaya's character. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. What is her name? Uh, Anne, Anne, Anne Wheeler. Wheeler. Well, yeah, her name's so normal. And then she's got like the pink hair and like, I just expect her to have like a circus name. I don't know. But yeah, when he meets Anne Wheeler, that's, uh, that's another selling point for him to start being in the circus. But, um, you know, like even she, like she's a, actually a very talented actress, uh, and dancer and singer Mm -hmm. because she got her start like Zac Efron uh, on the Disney channel, but I didn't realize that it was like all her singing and stuff too. They got that Disney blood in them. 
they do <laughs> because I'm not like young enough to have like seen her earlier work. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that. I mean, I know the name now, but, um, but yeah, so like a lot of the other actors in this movie, it is them singing, but with her, it's, it's actually not. And she's like the, that character, like you said, is supposed to be like the best singer like ever. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it. the whole soundtrack's pretty good. That was like one one downer in, you know, nothing. And honestly, it's not my least favorite song. Um, <laughs> that one comes later. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they introduce Jenny. She does great. Um, I will point out, because this happens earlier in the movie too, um, every time PT has this moment of his performances – are they're, they're like their first show goes off and ends and there's that moment of silence and you think no one is clapping no one is cheering until you pan over and you see the audience screaming and cheering and clapping until someone looks at him or there's some kind of trigger and he kind of snaps back into reality of sorts that yes this is real he he did a good job the people like it because it happens oh, with wow. his first performance um, with the ensemble and then it happens again when Jenny sings because he he's never heard her sing he invited her over to America to perform and he even says I hope she can sing <laughs> yeah I guess because everything from him is selling an idea and then just mm-hmm. hoping that it works out yeah do you, do you think that's meant to evoke like for the audience like is this real or not just to kind of delay that reaction or why do, why do you think they choose to do that that's so I feel like it's you're getting in his head because yeah. like you said, he he kind of jumps into things without doing anything. He uh, and, you know, a character makes a comment. You're not in love with the people. You're in love with the idea of them. I guess that's how we feel about the movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in love with P.T. Barnum, but I'm in love yeah, with the not, idea of the Not movie. in love with the <laughs> historical characters, but yeah. love the movie. <laughs> that is so interesting. I'm going to have to go back and look for that. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, this sort of sets off uh, his career even further. Like, you know, now richer people are are seeing that he's not just the peanut guy in the circus. Um, and he, there's this big after party with champagne. He gets to tell off Charity's parents, which, sure, my guy. <laughs> um, I know. Awkward. <laughs> and then it like, leads. Yeah. There's just like a part of you that like. I mean, yeah, it's like he he can't stand all this snobbery and stuff, but then the second that he gets a taste, he wants to be a part of it, you know, I guess just because of where he came from and his wife is sort of approaching it from the opposite angle, but yeah. Yeah, he wants to show, like, basically shove it in their face, like, look, I did this and I had nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of sucks when uh, the, basically the ensemble cast show up and they want to party too. They're here to celebrate. I mean, they um, got him there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he just kind of tells them off. It's like, you got to show. You you can't be here. No one can see you. Um, because he's let this get to his head and he doesn't want to ruin the connections he's made. Right. He's elevating himself above his yeah. troop, even though they're what got him there. Which I think is a pretty common, like, even outside of this movie, like a, a turning point. A lot of films like this about success, you right. know, mm-hmm. it's like forgetting who got you there and, and and not being ashamed of where you come from and who you are. And right. Yeah. He's and not prepared you know, to do that. Standing yet. up for those people. Yeah. Um, and this is what leads into my favorite song ever. Uh, Freaking Kiala settles uh, 
solo, you know, solo, uh, but this is me, which she starts off actually singing. Um, it sounds like she starts off singing live before they switch off to a recording because yeah. uh, the sound is slightly different um, when it changes camera angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that song is so powerful and resonates so much with me. Like, I've never heard another song speak to me as much as that one did. And it re- works really well because she, she actually has a Broadway background. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could tell that she has to be one of, if not the best voice in this movie. So she, It's pretty she, obvious. She's yeah. got the power. She's got the performance. Um, but it just her walking out with everyone, it's essentially stomping out and saying, you know, everyone has made fun of us and we're used to it. You can keep doing that. It doesn't matter because this is me. This is who I am. It, we're not going to stop. We're going to be the best that we can be. And uh, I'm so alive. I love that song. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do too. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this and to that movie can really relate to feeling, you know, like you're on the outside looking in and not just that, but also being bullied and not accepted Mm -hmm. and not good enough. Feeling different. Yeah. For any reason whatsoever, what you look like, what you believe in, it's it's a powerful song. And I feel like it, if you listen to anything in the soundtrack, listen to the opening song and listen to this one. Yeah. And I mean, even just watching the behind the scenes of them rehearsing it and watching all of them, like including her, just sort of burst into tears. You can tell that it really connects with people a lot mm-hmm. on a pretty personal level. And I think too, like after this movie came out, um, you know, I'm used to like whenever I've I've done a little bit of volunteering and and stuff like that, and um, or like whenever I've cosplayed at cons and you you wear like a character that that kids really recognize. You know, mm-hmm. usually they're like princesses or you know what I mean. Like they're like yeah. a, a very standard, typical, like beautiful, perfect character in a movie, and. I found it really moving when I saw pictures and video of people that would dress like her character and, you know, the way that children light up when they see her because of this movie and just how much they connect with her. And then she, you know, I don't know if you've seen any pictures like that where she's Mm -hmm. bending down holding all these children and it's like, I don't know. I thought that was very positive. Like I would like to see more of that, you know, in films for children. I've also seen um, several cosplays from this movie uh, and specifically people dressed as Letty's character um, recently saw one from a convention where they sang uh, karaoke, I guess in a, just an open convention area. And there was this big crowd that all joined in and it was just full of positive energy and feel good energy. And I loved it so much. I was like, what a good mash of two wonderful things. (laughs) Yes. 100%. And even in the reimagined album, like I cannot think of a per a, a, a more perfect choice to re-sing the song than Kesha after yeah. everything she went through. Um, and yeah. they even mm-hmm. have two versions. They have just Kesha's version. Uh, and then they have a version with Kesha, Kiala, and Missy Elliott, who adds in some little extra bits to really hit you in the heart. And yes. Uh, Oh, I love Missy Elliott so much. So good. 
It's so good. Yeah, no, when I saw Kesha's name, I was like, no way. That is too perfect. I was actually driving home from TRF when I, uh, the album dropped. Uh, and I, I had to look to my girlfriend. I was like, we have to listen to this. And I'm sorry if I start crying. And <laughs> I hadn't seen who all was on it. I had just seen, you know, Panic and Pink had released their versions. I think Kelly Clarkson had released her version early as well. But as soon as Kesha started playing, I was bawling like a dumb baby. I I bawled this whole movie. <laughs> I'm pretty emotional. I try to keep it in. But things like this, I, I can't. It just, no. it gets to me. Man, it really gets to me. I mean, I think I, I do feel like sometimes that's what I'll enjoy about a movie is mm-hmm. like just being moved, you know, and like just being able to movie. cry sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like and, a good cry. In a good way, in like an empowering way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely I definitely felt this song uh, for sure. And and yeah, yeah. And we need more. We need more letties in the world. <laughs> Let's yes. just say that. Just some more feel good, like. Just be yourself and be the best version of yourself you can be. Yep. Yep. But this is like the the core moment of the movie when, you know, people are starting to split, essentially. Like, that's true. Carlisle is, you know, starting to have these feelings for Anne and has to decide between, you know, following his heart and running with the circus. Uh, or being in the positive light of his parents' eyes and, you know, having to give up his fortune and everything that he was raised in, essentially. Yeah. I, I'm glad they include that part, too, because I do feel like by making the cast so diverse, it's definite, and by it being a period piece, it's something they're going to have to tackle on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they did it the right way. I mean, obviously, they're not going to make it like as realistic as it would be because that would be a not lot. Um, yeah. Be heavy. Yeah. But I, I'm glad that they touch on it a little bit and sort of equate it to just in general, like not being accepted, you know, because yeah. the, um, the whole movie is, you know, people, people are judgy on how you look. Right. If that's, you know, some some kind of difference in your face, extra hair, your race, like it's everyone has their place and where they think they or others should be. Right. I mean, at this point, and it comes up a few times in the movie, just the fact uh, that Zendaya is a woman of color and her brother as well, like they shouldn't even be on stage. No. I, they even say the help and yeah. it's, it's like... Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a, a tough part that they tackle in the movie. Yeah. And then there's that rewrite the stars song mm-hmm. at that point too. Yeah. Which is also beautiful and well choreographed. And I've seen some bloopers of them smacking into each other. <laughs> and that that has to have been I I don't know how hard the, those kind of stunts are, but I can only imagine. Yeah, it probably helps that they're so young, but yeah, I imagine it's very physically demanding. I know, like, they have a choreographer, um, you know, for the movie who's awesome, and he had to get somebody that, you know, does aerial acrobatics to kind of work with him and, like, come up with the choreography of the song. Um, But I I love it. Um, I haven't seen that behind the scenes, them smacking into each other, but I'm going to look that up. (laughs) I think that's in an interview with, is it Jimmy Kimmel? Possibly. 
This sounds right. Sounds like it might be him, but it's yeah. an interview that Zendaya has, uh, and they talk about, you know, the movie, and then mention one of the bloopers, and then they show how the scene actually looks, and it's beautiful. Um, well, we know that uh, P.T. Barnum takes Jenny Lind on this uh, wild, expensive tour around the U.S. to, you know, show her off and make a fortune from that and leaves Carlisle to run everything back home, um, which, again, adds to that kind of split uh, until, you know, things don't go well. Um, she is presented as coming on to him. Um which I don't remember if that's how it goes. I don't think there was, or if it was any the other way around or if there was anything. Them. Yeah. But I it, think she found him like gross <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Which and, like, I believe. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't think there, I think this entire romance part was like totally fabricated for the movie. Just to, just to yeah, add conflict. To, to have that conflict and to, to get him home because she's interested. He's not. Uh, and she thinks that he's just using her to further his career, essentially. Which uh-huh. he is. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly I mean, what he's doing. Yeah, she's pointing out like, yeah, you invest in people and make them feel so special, but then it's all, you know, for all your show. own. Yeah. And that's all you care about. And he's like, oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because, yep. <laughs> because he did that in, you know, in a different way, even to his his theater troupe. Mm-hmm. And she... Um, Gives him a big old smooch at the end of her performance, which gets photographed and put in the papers because uh, we we need some more conflict. So yeah. uh, he ends up going home uh, to which um, he, you know, that gets found out. It's in the yeah. papers. His home is foreclosed on, which I don't know if it's because he didn't make the money from um, the tour because she she canceled it. So I don't know if it's because he had um, borrowed so much money from all the banks and couldn't pay them back, or if it was because they found out about the the ships. They don't really say Hmm. why. My brain always goes to they they found out (laughs) about the ships and just decided to take (laughs) something. Maybe. Um, Yeah, I I know that when he decided to go on this tour and was talking about how expensive it was, Carlisle was like, um, that's not very smart. No. And I thought it was maybe also like a a lesson in that like, you know, he wasn't giving Carlisle very much of the profits and he was like very high risk, high reward oriented. And Mm -hmm. Carlisle was like a sane voice in his corner that was like, no. And so when he goes on this tour without him, he doesn't have him there to like rein him in. And so he just like spent all his money. And so, yeah, yeah, like when she's like, I'm not doing this anymore. He's like, well, oops, I didn't come up with a backup plan. I guess that means our house is gone. And plus like the circus, like, you know, his wife goes back to her parents because if, where, where else is she going to go? She thinks her husband uh, is cheating on her because she <laughs> sees the paper, of course. Um, I was going to say, even if he hadn't done that, you know, he he did um, risk all their money and got their house foreclosed and didn't mention that right. to her either. <laughs> so he's, he's in the doghouse. Yeah. There's a, there's a scene before that um, where uh, Michelle Williams sings Tightrope, which that is actually my least favorite song. I agree. Uh, it's not bad. It's not the worst thing ever. It's just it, when it starts playing, I skip it. <laughs> um, but it, that goes over how 
much she feels like she's putting into this relationship and not getting anything back. Right. And, uh, you know, that all just culminates to her. She had seen the way he was looking at Jenny and that sort of thing. And, you know, she just right. wanted him to talk to her because he, he wouldn't tell her anything really like his plans, mm-hmm. what he was doing with the money. I mean, she mentions that, that it's pretty much all about him Yeah, in his dream. And she's mm-hmm. like, what about our dream? Like I sacrificed a lot. Hello. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, I gave up a lot and she was like, I was fine with that. I was fine with being poor. I was fine with everything. She says like, we always did it together. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, she was kind of like not included. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we end up, uh, seeing more of the shows, uh, with the ensemble and Carlisle doing his best to, to run the show as is, um, until there's like a a huge fight and some Molotovs are thrown. There's some fires. (laughs) I like, oh, I think a lantern is knocked over, but I definitely remember someone throwing something. Yeah. They were throwing stuff at, uh. It's in diets mm-hmm. like, yeah. And the building catches fire and, you know, everything burns to the ground. Um, uh, Carlisle goes in to rescue and uh, comes back badly wounded. And it's kind of, uh, every, everyone kind of gathers back around, essentially. Well, yeah, like, uh, doesn't Hugh Jackman have to go in there and get him out, too? Yes. Yeah, he, he like. She comes out uh, and she's fine, but Carlisle is not. Yeah. So Anne has to like visit him in the hospital and and sing uh, a reprisal of Rewrite the Stars. And it's sad. And I want to cry every time. (laughs) So sweet. Their chemistry is really good. Like, I know I I saw uh, an interview where Zac Efron said that his kiss with her in the movie is like the best on-screen kiss ever that he's done. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you can tell like it's very sweet. Mm hmm. And then, you know, after everyone's fine and, and okay, essentially, um, I think Barnum finally has this, I've lost everything, you know, what what else can I do at this point? I don't have a building. I can't pay you guys. No one's going to loan me any money. Even the reviewer comes by uh, and admits that, you know, his show wasn't that bad. He's like, I didn't like it, but <laughs> everyone else did. So yeah. <laughs> what matters more, really? I didn't like it, but people did. So you were clearly doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a, which was a nice kind of, you know. His enemy was his only friend, it seemed like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but they they all try to scavenge what they can. Um, and Carlisle eventually tells them, Hey, this is why I took my 10% cut each week instead of waiting until the end, because I know how you are with money. Uh, we can probably make something happen. And they get the idea that they don't need to rent a building. Rent is expensive here. Uh, they just need a plot of land and a tent. And that's when we cut to the second half of the opening song. And it is fantastic. Oh, we forgot from now on. Too. Oh, heck. That's, That's okay. right. Gosh. <laughs> no, it's all right. There's a lot of songs in this movie. Yeah. Um, but I do like from now on. And I like. I even like the, the Zach Brown band cover, too. I yes. Really it's so I thought that was good. perfect. That's right. Because yeah. he, he has to be sad and go drink in a bar because he's lost everything. And everyone's like, stop being sad, you dummy. Let us <laughs> sing and have this really cool scene. And you're going to run down the streets 
towards your wife uh yeah. whose dad still hates you but you know she comes but to, it's like so what you know cares? who cares <laughs> and they yeah. meet back on the beach again and then they go i think check out the 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 the, the, the remains that's the word i'm looking for i don't remember yeah oh no you're fine but yeah, that's a oh god, that's one of my other favorite songs. My three favorites yeah. are the the opening, uh, greatest show, this is me, and from now on, those are the yeah. strongest songs. Yeah, I like that. I like that that part of the movie is reminding him like you didn't just invest in like acts, you know, you invest invested in people, mm-hmm. and they're the real reward at the end because they're the ones that like when all this other stuff falls away, they're going to be there for you. So I really like that. And they even say how. You know, other people have let them down in the past, but now they have this kind of like found family and he's part of that found family, whether or not he likes it, whether or not they like it, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're all in this together, not to bring back. The- <laughs> We're started- all in yeah. this together. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh man. But yeah. And yep. you know, that's how that solves that little momentarily momentary crisis yeah and then you're right we get the greatest show reprisal and it's oh it's just hugh passing on his hat to carlisle saying hey i'm gonna go be with my family even though in real life that that didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) he didn't ride an elephant down the streets to go look at his daughter's ballet. I don't, he may have done that, but the whole time I kept thinking, I was like, what are you going to do with that elephant? Just leave it in the cold. That's rude. Even if it's a CGI <laughs> elephant, it doesn't matter. CGI elephants have feelings too. Yeah. Um, no, I, I love the, the ending song so much. It just brings everything back around. You're right. There's a lot of like, mm-hmm. they, they sow little seeds all throughout the movie. And I think all the, there's not really a song that's wasted. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Like tightrope is probably my least favorite, but, but like you said, not because it's a bad song, just because it's not the best out of all these other ones. <laughs> yeah. Everything else is just so much better. Yeah. And I walked out of that theater just like, yeah, like I just, I feel like energized yeah. and like inspired when I watch it. <laughs> I really mm-hmm. do. Like, it's just a really feel good movie. Well, that kind of brings me to my last couple of questions that, we've been answering this whole time but if we want to summarize them <laughs> sure uh what keeps you coming back to this movie it's 100 percent the music um i i do listen to the soundtrack more than i watch the movie um but i do like to go back and watch the movie even if i'm just listening to it because of the differences um i think it's a solid soundtrack i think it has a lot of great meaning in its lyrics uh, even if it's just you know mass produce pop kind of vibes that a lot of people don't like. Uh, I feel, I feel <laughs> when I listen to these music uh, oh, and yeah. I still get emotional every single time. And that's usually what brings me back to something is if I feel some kind of emotion. No, no I completely agree. I think for me, like, like you said, the music is the number one selling point And then mm-hmm. number two is probably the visuals and yes. I do the same thing. I listen to the soundtrack and then sometimes I'll, I'll fire up my digital copy and they have a, they have an option where you can just watch like the different songs in the film. Okay. With like what's happening yeah. at that time. And sometimes I'm like, I just want to see like the beginning or I just want to see <laughs> uh, the bar slack. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, it's cool to go back and just revisit those songs and see that part of it. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it made me feel good. I like the message of the movie. Um, we've already talked about in real life. I don't think that it's accurate, no. <laughs> but but that's okay. It, it's a uh, reimagined, yeah. um, happier version. And any movie that sells this idea that has this agenda of um, inclusivity is, I mean, that's I'm for really it. Like that. I'm for yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what would you say to someone that's never seen this movie before? Oh, gosh. I would say if you want a feel-good musical, give it a shot, really. Um, and if you really like Fall Out Boy, you'll probably dig the music. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I would say like it's it's family entertainment. Um, I, sometimes I've even just had like a bad week and I've watched it. <laughs> Yeah, but it's only been out for like a year. It's it feels weird that it's only been a year, but I I really I really dug this film and uh, and I I highly recommend it. I guess that's that's what I would have to say. Me too. I'm always telling Yay. people it's like watch this movie. I own it. Come over. We can watch it. I don't. Care. It is a I good movie to watch with night. people. Watch it again. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a good movie to watch with somebody too. I think I just have yeah. to warn everyone. I was like, okay, there's certain moments I will cry and I cannot stop. It will just happen. Ignore me. <laughs> Let me be me right now. <laughs> Let me do me. Um, well, Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I'm so glad we made this happen. Yes. I was super pumped when you picked this movie. No. Uh, uh, where can people find you if they want to catch up with you? Sure. Uh, again, I can be found at Golden Girls, and that's G-H-O-U-L-D-E-N girls. So like Golden Girls, but with ghoul. <laughs> Um, we're on Twitter, we're on Spotify, Libsyn, iTunes, uh, Stitcher. I'm, I'm probably forgetting one, uh, but it's just me and Carly. You won't hear me talk about Greatest Showman, but we will talk about horror movies and horror games in the same way. Probably a lot more swearing, definitely a lot more swearing. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to plug that you're a great artist too. Oh, thank you. That. I've commissioned, I think, a couple art pieces yes. from you, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, I love what you're doing lately with the uh, little hedgehog. Oh, my little my, my hedgehogs and my fruit. Yeah, yeah. So just wanted to, to add that too. If you guys need someone to commission, she's available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And, um, you know, come back on the show sometime and pick another movie. Anytime. And- you know, one day we're going to do the entire Fast and Furious franchise. So I hope your audience yes. is ready. Just the entire one. It'll be like a five-hour recording, and that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. fine. I feel like that would be an extreme (laughs) recording, actually. (laughs) I would love that. All right. Well, um, well, awesome. Well, have a good night. You too. 